At the heart of the battle, where the blood of the innocents flows, and only the monstrous survive. Welcome to TARDIS Talk, where each week we'll be taking you through our assorted thoughts and feelings on everything Doctor Who. This week it's the stuff of legend as we dissect the last great time war beyond the TV series, and with me are my partners in crime, the war cook and the war mat. Put my teeth back in, the war mat. The war mat doesn't sound anywhere near as good as the war cook, does it? Doesn't in the slightest, does it? Not in the slightest. <laughs> it's a bit like doormat. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, the war Chris also sounds equally as shit, so... You're not alone. <laughs> the war, the war, cook. Just, yeah. a cannibalistic war criminal from that deepest like Bolivia. Him. Just the guy bustles up the meals every night. <laughs> <laughs> you like the Time Lord chef at the battle camp, serving up. Uh, I don't know. I, I couldn't think of anything right. witty. You've, got to, you've got to feed Dalek. the fronts. Come on. Yeah. Khaled, Khaled Mari. Khaled Mari. <laughs> yes. Well played. So yes. So this week we are talking about um, about the Time War and not Day of the Doctor style Time War. Basically anything out of that. And one of the things that we did because we wanted to focus on something that we'd all kind of like uh, watched, read, or reviewed, and it so happened to be um, the first bit of spin-off Time War literature, which was Engines of War. We'll talk in a bit about, briefly, because I know that you guys haven't really listened to much of it, but we'll, I'll, I'll go through what's been covered and stuff. Some A lot of the big finished content, because that's added a lot of stuff behind the Time War. Um, and then at the end today, folks, just to add, stick around for the last 10 minutes, because over the weekend, um, something marvellous happened. The BBC actually rolled out a very clever marketing campaign, and Doctor Who Series 13 slash Flux, as it's titled, has been announced for the 31st of October. We will be talking about that for the last 10 minutes of today's podcast, so stick around for that. But until then, Engines of War. Engines of War, Engines of War. This is your recommendation, Matt. This is because it's the only Time War literature you've, well, content you've absorbed. Well, yeah, because we talked about you know when the book was originally announced it was an idea that came out it was something which we just kind of we never really had that kind of snippet for and i can't say i've read too much of um the different books and the different stories that exist out there sort of in in who law but it was one of those things which i think because of the nature of it because of what we got from the 50th because again sort of all the um you know almost mythical way they kind of talked about it in the show before the 50th i wanted to learn more about it and that was the first time i picked up like i said doctor who literature around it and i don't regret picking it up at all i mean before we dig into it uh, do you think it did it justice um obvious the problem is as well with a book which is particularly when it's a book based on a lot of background like this mm. it always leaves you wanting more uh, but, um yeah. the story that it wanted to tell i enjoyed yeah because i i tend to find this um and we'll repeat this this will repeat quite a bit as we talk about the time war outside of the show is um they they whoever writes it and whatever they write it, it for they deliver it in self-contained chunks so it's not actually like an overall branch towards you know it doesn't it never drives the time war towards a certain point that we know you never it never drives towards the day of the doctor with an exception in big finish but apart from that the majority of self-contained chunks like engines of war um on kind of did though what did sorry the ending of engines of war uh, yeah, I suppose uh, so. I mean, you've got to bear in mind, I haven't read this book in about, well, since it since it was released. So what's that, 2000 and... Hey, when did you start reading it? Because it wasn't... Um, you only started reading it recently, didn't you, Cook? Well, I I read Act 1 yesterday, and then I just kind of gave up. Have you never read it before, then? I haven't made it... Oh, I thought you read it. ...all the way through. Oh, wow. Okay. Do you not enjoy it, then? Uh, I do... Uh, 
it's just not one of those books that I'm compelled to no, keep in my hands. No, that's fair enough. Yeah. You need to have the right right book in your hands to, to keep reading. Oh, that's interesting then. Mm. It, it packs a lot of content in. Um, I basically, I, I'll, I'll hold my hands up and be honest, I, I had to reread the synopsis and basically read stuff on TARDIS Wiki last night because I didn't want to put myself through reading. I never read a book more than once unless it's something amazing. Um, I enjoyed it as far as stories go. George Mann does a lot of content in there. He like does a lot of law reference. You know, the Death Zone of Gallifrey. Um references to previous incarnations and future incarnations stuff like that um and also kind of like expanded universe stuff that's never really touched upon like the spider dalek and whatnot that that kind of gets brought forward doesn't it um yeah i suppose it's, it's a good book though isn't it, it yeah i mean it, it, there is like i say there is a lot of cool stuff in it um but what specifically matt in terms of like the story itself did you enjoy so I actually think it's got a, a really, really, really strong opening. I liked the bit right at the beginning where they're going through the Dalek camp. I think that's the best bit, really, though, isn't it? That first act where they're kind of basically doing that on Moldox and they're going over, over basically they're breaking to the saucer. Um, yeah, and it feels like, it feels like a, again, just from my interpretation of it, it does feel like that. It, it's a skirmish. It's an on-the-ground fight, not the... You know, not the big giant space opera kind of thing that we talk about, with all the lasers yeah. in the sky, but an actual dirty on in the, the trenches infantry fight. Yeah. yeah, 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 very much so. I think the Daleks are quite ominous in this particular story as well, um, especially when uh, you kind of find out what they're doing on the saucer and the fact that they built a Dalek casing that they want to house the Doctor in, uh, the Predator Dalek, and all that sort of stuff. I think that's quite quite a cool concept, really. That they want to do something quite sort of dark and twisted like that. A bit like a weaponized Pandora in a way, isn't it? It is a little bit. Did this? I always forget the placement of where this is. Um, it, of course, it, everything has to come after Matt Smith, doesn't it? Because it's it's John Hurt's War Doctor. Yeah. Okay, so the, the characterization of the War Doctor, I think the one thing that I love about Engines of War is that. Um, well, I say I love. He he does. Well, he does repeatedly say I'm not the Doctor, and I'm I can't recall Matt. Like I say, I only read the prose, but if and, and Cook as well, if you started reading it again recently, does it refer to the Doctor as the Doctor? I can't recall. Yeah, yeah. It, does, it does. Does it? Okay, right. That's interesting because I always thought, you know, they wanted to kind of emphasise that the Doctor wasn't the Doctor at this point. Um, so maybe I, I I think that's possibly one of the reflections that I had when I did read it, thinking that they possibly could have done with referring to him as something other than the Doctor, be a bit more ambiguous in the writing uh, style. So in terms of characterization, he doesn't like being referred to as yeah. the Doctor, similar to the Day of the Doctor. And, yeah. Uh, but uh, through some of the actions and descriptions of things like that, he the companion character Cinder is, I think. At least once I've noticed her um, observing that when the War Doctor does anything that the Doctor wouldn't normally do, he, she can tell that he's not particularly happy about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. It's got some. It's got some. He is, he is still the Doctor at heart. Um, yeah. That's what you can this kind is, of tell throughout the book. This is one of my minor criticisms of the War Doctor, and I, again, I know it's. I think I might mention this, but I'm not sure. I, I just like it, he's the incarnation that the Doctors wanted to forget. I haven't really seen him do anything overtly dark. There is something that I will talk about in a bit um, outside of Engines of War, but apart from that, I haven't really seen him do anything overtly bad enough to warrant, apart from 
theoretically destroying Gallifrey, even though that never actually happened. Putting, but, yeah, putting hypothetical genocide to one side. <laughs> but maybe that's why they didn't want to remember him, because as far as they were concerned, he'd blown up Gallifrey. Maybe that was the only well, reason yeah, they wanted that, well, well, yeah, that's kind of it. Cause, I mean, again, it's the other problem, isn't it? Because I, you know, I think we, we've spoken about this as well. You know, having the concept of a dark doctor would be absolutely fantastic. And, you know, getting into some proper nitty gritty, almost horror-esque part of it would be interesting from a fan's point of view. But would completely change how you would perceive that character forevermore moving forward yeah yeah that's true yeah that's uh, yeah yeah i guess it's interesting that they chose an incarnation of of the doctor the war doctor close to day of the doctor's age in other words for this book they didn't write a slightly younger version of john hurt um yeah because they kind of had they had you know his entire regeneration yeah. lifespan to go through exactly something towards the end of it and they weren't limited to uh you know john hurt sounding younger than he is or looking younger than he is because it's a book so they could have I, i'm yeah. surprised they stuck with a slightly older version of of him this this pattern this trope of the war doctor um is quite a repeated one that's only recently been rectified um in audio form but we keep every every time you see the war doctor doing stuff more or less in in the expanded literature it always tends to be the older John Hurt sort of day of the Doctor, last great you know, last day of the Great Time War, um, era War Doctor, which is unfortunate because there was plenty of you know, like you said, he's got his whole regeneration cycle to kind of get through before he gets to that point. Yeah, and I think from that front, I think it's just an association game. Now, whether it's played rightly or wrongly is a, is an interesting point to discuss. But mm. you know, if I if I say close your eyes and imagine the war doctor you obviously jump to john hurt because that's what you've seen on screen on yeah. posters on the front cover of the book for argument's sake so yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it 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 saves the writer time of having to go through the description well that's true yeah that's true it's just the the, now, the most yeah. notable associated one isn't it do i think that's enough to 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 skip out on dealing with a younger or more of a middle-aged version of the war doctor no from a writer's point of view if you're going to write a book bleed into it and write a book yeah uh but i can understand why they've done it it means they get more time telling a story about doing than telling a story about describing yeah that's true that's true that's true cook you said that the um story bleeds into day of the doctor does it i can't recall how it finishes does it uh it's just this i think it's presumably the first time no more is mentioned wow okay. literally the last we'll come, book. we'll come to this later we'll come to this later because that's <laughs> something that that if you're going canonically it isn't but again we'll come back to that later um I think, uh, this might be before the big finish stuff though so i mean it can't be though because big finish did uh, have just started doing their forged in fire which takes away straight from night of the doctor no, no, but I mean, oh, you mean canonically, chronologically? Yeah, okay. canonically, chronologically—that's a mouthful, isn't um, it? Yeah, but in terms of expanded literature, publishing-wise, yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's the first time, so potentially they wanted it to link directly into Day of the Doctor, perhaps as that as that tangible yeah. bit. Yeah, and, and again, it's just that at the end of the book, it's very much talking about you know that phrase coming out, that sort of promise he makes to himself. But it's the again it's never alluded as to what happens next there can mm. be any amount of time between the end of engines of war and day of the doctor that's true yeah that's yeah. true that is that's very true i guess um i was about to say something i can't really see what it is now it's completely gone i told you my memory was kaput today it's it's <laughs> vanished into the ether um there are some pretty dark moments in this book though i think i quite like the um what razalon's done with barusa turn him into the possibility engine is a possibility yes. engine? yeah i that that's the one of the key things that sticks out in my memory that 
that particular scene where the Doctor and Cinder go to the Death Tower and find Barusa strung up to like this, almost like a crucifix type thing. Well, that, that's how I saw it in my mind anyway. Um, and he's, he's constantly physically cycling through his different regenerations, his previous regenerations. I think that's a pretty cool concept. Um, especially like tying it into the idea of there's a missed opportunity in this bit though because I always thought when I was reading it my brain was leaning towards basically he can see all different possibilities of reality can't he and um, he he saw something like the equivalent of the never was so the the like the aborted timeline or something like that am I right in saying there's some sort of st- you're both quiet, so I don't know whether or not um, this is me talking shit I, or not. I don't think that was ever confirmed what the Neverwares were. Well, this is my point. That's why my brain was going it, and it feels like a missed opportunity because it just it just kind of went off and, and confirmed as being something that it wasn't the Neverwares. It was something different, even though it seemed like it was a great potential to have it as this aborted kind of like army of possibilities that 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 never were. Um, it's I think the, the the snag is Russell T Davies when he wrote Doctor Who uh, and the Time War. He used all this beautiful poetry to kind of like describe all of these great and mystical things in the time war, you know, the nightmare it's child and the, the, yeah. the cruciform. And then, yeah, that's it. And then when they try and bring it to life, or, or they just don't even that. Sometimes maybe maybe it's because they don't think they can do these these poetic sort of narratives the justice. You know, is it better to not know what the, to, to not ever know what the nightmare child is? Um, you know. Is he talking figuratively or literally when he says the jaws of the Nightmare Child? He could be talking about some sort of black hole or he could be talking about an actual monster, giant monster with jaws. You just don't know. I mean, I think it'd be interesting to see, but on the one hand, you're always going to upset someone when you do... When you... When you yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, bring bring the, what you're saying. Bring it to life. Basically, you're gonna you're gonna annoy someone because it isn't how they're gonna be in position. But I guess exactly, that's yeah. always been the case with Doctor Who anyway. That's so why not try it? I suppose that's part of the beauty, though, isn't it? Of of not everything needs answering. Harking back yeah. to our big issue at the moment with the current era. But back to Avengers of the War. Um, Cinder is a character then because she's one of the War Doctor's companions. Um, what do we make of Cinder then, Matt? As a, as a character, how did you envisage her, and like, what did you make of her? Well, again, I I thought it was quite nice to see a very active character. You know, I'm not just talking about the fact that she, you know, has got that sort of rebel soldier background either, but mm-hmm. talking more along the lines of, you know, she was she was very driven. You know, even when she's on Gallifrey, she's driven to do something. She's very much not just sat around waiting for an opportunity to ask a question or jump in. And I quite enjoyed the, the actually reading her on page. Yeah, yeah, I I feel the same. Um, you know, Cook, you know, you said that you were struggling to kind of like be motivated by the book. Does that anything to do with the characterizations? No, no, no. I really like. Oh, okay. The oh, fair um, play. So you actually like Cinder then? Yeah, yes. It, she, she kind of reminds me of like an Ace Gone Wrong type character. Yeah, that's quite very much the vibe I got. Yeah. Because she's a teenager, um, isn't she? Or at least a very young woman. Yeah. Yeah. She's not. Yeah, I think she's in her twenties, wasn't she? Possibly, like I say, it's been a while since I read right. it, but yeah, yeah, that sounds. I don't recall that sounds it ever it. being mentioned, but maybe I just glanced over that detail. But I like, I like the fact that she's trying to use the Doctor at the start as well as a means to an end. You know, she wants to get off Moldox, and yeah, and that, but she, but in the meanwhile, she's still got that same um, hesitation that Cass had when she met the Eighth yeah. Doctor. You know, yeah, I did like time that comparison Lord. actually. It's great. Yeah, I like the fact that yeah. people fear the time lords in that respect. I think that's a really clever again, mechanism. It's that, it's that snap of anger. Like, even again, when she's lying in wait for you know, if we're talking about uh, right back at the beginning, mm. 
where she's lying wet and she's angry. I think again they do a good job of portraying anger on paper because it's one of those things you can you can easily write so and so is angry, but actually to see it come out through dialogue and how they describe it, I think yeah. anger is probably one of the harder emotions to try and convey on page. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Do you think that the action and the portrayal of the war itself carries through as in, in, in you know in novel format? Yeah, Cause... I think it does a good job with the skirmish. Um, yeah, I think it does skirmishes very well. I think when you kind of get to the, you know, to to the crescendo at the end there, that proper part of the last event, it feels a little bit disconnected. It does, doesn't it? Where, yeah. yeah, not not to the, not to the point where I can't associate it to the rest of the story. Don't get me wrong, it's yeah. a good, it's a good self-contained story, but it does it it doesn't you know that final act doesn't necessarily have the strongest connections to the two that came before it yeah that whole eye of uh, tantalus part at the end and and yeah yeah i know exactly what you're saying i really i think by that point i was wavering a little bit attention span wise because it felt like it had just gone on a smidge like maybe maybe a, maybe an act too long maybe they could have wrapped it up back on the death zone um he's got some weird jumps in in there isn't it like the bit with the big lizard in the death in the death zone <laughs> that's that's a weird a weird sudden left turn like one moment we're used to being chased by daleks and then time lords and the next thing they're being chased it's cool but it's it's very kind of like it, it takes you out of the out of the moment i think a little bit when when they go to the death zone and that all kind of like derails slightly the thing that stopped me from reading um yesterday well i and today, pretty much, is that you get to act. You get to the end of Act One where they leave Moldorx, don't they? Mm-hmm. Um, and it says Part Two Gallifrey, and you skip to a different character's perspective. Okay. And I'm just like, uh... oh right, okay. I prefer. I I I enjoyed following Cinder and the Doctor through um, the camp and stuff. And when it skips to this Caldax dude, I don't even know. I can't even remember what he actually does in the story. Uh, um, Carlax, he's like he's like a he's basically an evil time lord, but he's he's just a cutthroat. I think he's a CIA agent. I'm sure he is. Or if he's not, he's he might just be a high counselor. Matt, any take? I can't remember what his role is. He's no, I can't recall the details yeah. of. But he's, yeah, so he, he's the antagonist. He's yeah, he's he's like that's his job. He's the antagonist basically. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Um, but that's yeah, where you lost your lost your interest with it. Pretty much. I mean, I think I have read further than that previously, but I. Considering I only started this yesterday, I just didn't feel the need to push on. Oh, you got pretty far, considering. I do. One of the things that I do really appreciate about this particular story and and the War Doctor in this one is that he is brutal in terms of like his his action. Like he is very hands on. Um, I love the way he just uses the TARDIS like a like a missile. <laughs> it just basically flies the TARDIS through Dalek sources left, right, and center. Pretty much in every scene he's in, uh, you yeah. know, where he's flying the TARDIS, he's literally using it as a projectile. Uh, so he's got no weapons, does it? So he has no. Any other option. No, I quite Again, like it, it. It's a creative solution to not having weapons, rather than just strapping a rocket to the side of it or missile launchers or whatever. He, he's found another way to still weaponize a fairly peaceful bit of kit. Yeah, I do like that. He, I'm pretty certain from what I remember. Again, it's been an age. I'm pretty certain he does apologize to her for using it like this. And isn't she hesitant in parts as well? The TARDIS. This is. I'm sure she's hesitant to do things. Maybe I'm just making that up. Maybe I'm getting I'm I'm crossing wires with things. But Engines of Wars, I think it's a really a really good story. It's it's I don't know whether or not they decided not to carry on doing it because Big Finish got the rights to the War Doctor stories. Um this was the third in, in the BBC's uh hardback novel 
sprints, wasn't it? Because they did that, the silent stars go by. There was another one, and then there was this, um, as like fully fledged novels, and then they just didn't do any more Doctor Who novels at that point. For some uh, reason. I don't remember any of this, to be honest. Yeah, there was like the standard BBC books range, but then there were these like, I think they kind of like marketed them as adult novels, like full grown kind of like grown ups books without being condescending or anything. Um, no, I've gone, I've gone <laughs> literally to the back at the moment, and there's quite a few upcomings. They clearly had, I, I don't know whether or not all these made it to print, but there's quite a few at the back here. Yeah. Hmm. What, what, what is there? Go to the just chat example. Uh, Harvest of Time, the Eleventh Doctor's Last Stand on Tales of Trenzalore. Uh, you've got the Crawling Terror, the Blood Cell, Silhouette. No idea. I've got a different list here. In the back of mine. I don't even know what mine is. I think I, I think I charity shot mine. I think. I'm turning around to see if I can see it, but I'm pretty sad. This one's written by Douglas Adams. What City the... of Death. Oh, oh no, you must have a really also... new one. No, these, these are also available. Yeah, you must have a really new copy, because City of Death only came out a few years ago. Okay. Well, I say it only uh, came out a few years ago. The, the this... novelisation came out a few years ago. Didn't Just, just randomly, sure. didn't you say George Mann's from Grantham? Or am I... Uh... I'm sure you said that ages that, ago. That rings a bell, actually. I'm sure you said that ages ago. As a little claim to fame Where... for yourself, isn't it? But yeah. yeah. Mm, okay. But uh, yeah, so essentially, Engines of War. Good book. What would you give it out of 10, Matt? Since you're the one who's read it latest. A good seven. Yeah. Good seven. Yeah. Does some good stuff. Do you think it adds to the time yeah. war in a constructive yeah. way or. I do, because again, like I said, it, I, and again, I've not done any of the big finish stuff, so again, there may be more out there, but to me, I enjoyed, particularly, like I said, that, that first act where we're doing that from the trenches, actually seeing a skirmish and what some of the, you know, the non, the non-Time Lord part of the war looks like. Yeah, it does get very um, slow in the middle, doesn't it? Oh, well, again, to me, it's because it's, the middle feels a bit political, which I don't yeah, mind. Exactly that, yeah. A good political drama is never a problem, it's the... It's the disconnect towards the end that was a bit that put me off. But again, yeah. as far as a self-contained story goes, I didn't feel lost reading it at all, which is a good sign. Mm. And yeah, I got I got to the end and enjoyed it. But again, like I think most people have said, it's one of those ones I got to the end and went, oh, that was really good, and I shelved it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't really think there's much more yet. Like I said earlier, it's not something I'd, I'd ever go back and read a second time. It was a good story. It's got some good mem- mem- got good mem- think, moments in it. I'd say, I think I would read it again, but once I've forgotten it, but... God knows when that would be. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that's it. Books you enjoy, though, um, you end up not forgetting. And then you yeah, never read them again. that's true. Like, I had that, I think you recommended me Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman. And yes. That's probably now my favourite book. Ah, <laughs> see? It's a good book, to be fair. Yeah, that's a very good book. So, uh, yeah, that is the only novelisation version of, of The Time War, as far as I'm aware. I don't really think there are any other books that 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 feature the time more but it's a good chance to recommend if you've never read engines of war go and grab a copy because it is, it is a good book as a one-off it does have some moments yeah. in it but it's got some great building one of the things it does well as as well so credit to it is you don't i didn't feel like you reading through you had to have a lot of hoovier knowledge to read it no but, um, but if you do it, it pays off doesn't it oh yeah it pays yeah. off if you've got the background understand some of the things they're talking about it pays off so you get that little you know insider knowledge so to speak but yeah. If you, you know, if you were somebody who was just a casual watcher and just wanted to pick it up and read, you would still understand the story start to finish. Yeah, no, very much so. So, just moving on from Engines of War then, because there is a there is a, a wealth of, of time war related content out there. Um, we've got like there's there's comic books. Uh, I've never read any of the comic books. I'm not really a comics reader. 
I take it you two have never read any of the comics, the IDW comics no. out, don't know. Not since I was a kid, and there weren't even proper comics. It was the Doctor Who adventures. Right. So yeah. there's this. I tell you what, there is one really cool thing that I read, and I it was only a pane that I saw, and I must have seen it on a forum or something somewhere. But it was one of the Doctor Who IDW comic books, and it was a single sheet, and it was showing basically that the Matrix is overflowing, and it's going to blow because too many Time Lords are dying. And I think that's a really clever concept. They're basically like, yeah, our hard drive's about to fill up because we're losing too many Time Lords. Because, of course, when a Time Lord dies, their consciousness gets uploaded to the Matrix. But what happens when you run out of room? Because far more Time Lords are dying than you can cope with at that moment in time. I think that's a really dark sort of concept. I really like that. That's that's pretty cool. Um, That's pretty much the only thing from a comic book perspective that I've read, though. There is... I'll tell you what. We did just talk about novelizations. It's... It's not canon because it's not published by the BBC, but um, there was a charity anthology. I think there was a couple of a couple of them actually. There was a charity anthology called Seasons of War that came out, and I can't remember what the charity was for. Um, and it was unlimited print. I managed to bag myself a Kindle copy, uh, and it's just short stories. Some of them are written by established Doctor Who authors and writers, but it's not published by BBC, so I don't think that's where you can count it. But they tell stories from very different perspectives of the Time War. Some of them utilise the abstract nature that I think Russell T Davies originally envisioned. Some of them do standard skirmish stuff, like you were saying, Matt. You know, with the with the battle battle aspects and, and stuff. So that's that's quite a cool kind of uh, set of stories to pick up. But again, I don't think you can kind of factor in as I know people say what's canon and what's not canon. I think. You know that argument of people saying, oh, there's only such thing as headcanon? I think there is, but then I think you also have to accept that if it's being p- developed and produced by the BBC, you have to count it as official. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think you have. that's why you have to accept to some aspect that Night of the Doctor, ergo the Big Finish stuff that he lists off, is continuity, because even if it's in a minisode, it's still technically part of it. Um, it's a know. messy topic, as again, it then comes back <laughs> to people's personal opinions and beliefs and all that. So, well, I think does it? Out, well, well, does it does it? a bit because that, you know anybody can argue anything. But I mean, for me, I'm on the same bandwagon as you. So yeah, don't worry yeah. about that. Man. It's not like but a legal think, issue. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, as, as long as people, as long as people are enjoying it and respectful of other people's opinions, yeah. and yeah, it doesn't really matter. No, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. I think apart from that, though, one of the biggest things that we really need to talk about. I know that you guys haven't really heard much of it if any of it so i appreciate it's going to be quite difficult to about i'll run you through some of the bits and bobs and we just discuss them is big finish's contribution because to be honest with you they they capitalized on the on the time war license like you couldn't believe um just to name some of their franchises uh so the gallifrey series that got that got time that got a time war spin-off which takes you right up until day of the doctor and the, the, the opening moments of day of the doctor more or less uh you've got the war master series which is set around the time war You've got when John Hurt, rest in peace, was alive, uh, he came and did a couple of box sets of The War Doctor. So he actually got to do more than just what he got on the TV. And it, it, he loved the role as well. He was They were um, halfway through writing, I think, his third or fourth. It would have been his third box set uh, when he passed away, unfortunately. Um, and more recently, we've got, I mean, they've got the Eighth Doctor's kind of uh, Time War related stuff as well, which is loose because, as we know, he never really participated in that. But more recently, we've got the early time uh, time war stuff with um, the War Doctor, uh, as portrayed by an actor called Jonathan Carley, who does an amazing, like I've never heard an impression so accurate of a young John Hurt. It is uncanny, and the stories are brilliant and it really good. But it covers some some crazy stuff. Like the Gallifrey series is 
quite kind of like it shows the resurrection of Razalon. So some key moments, resurrection of Razalon. Um, what else? Blimey. Bottom of the barrel already? Yeah, there's just so much. It's hard to it's hard to to kind of like remember what there is. What happens to Romana? So why she doesn't appear in the um in the in the in the time war where she is never found out. Now you know in Big Finish. Um, you listen to quite a few of the War Masters when you come. Only the first box set. Oh really? I thought you listened to all more. right. It's, yeah. I think it's brilliant. I've really enjoyed it. He does some really dark stuff in that, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're good. I wouldn't say they're. They're not too directly related to the war, though. They're more him. Apart from that very last bit. bit. The very last yeah. bit is where they're about to basically summon him back to Gallifrey, and he's like, no, fuck that. I'm going to turn into a baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which he basically does. Um, the eighth Doctor Time War stuff's pretty interesting because it's him trying to avoid being involved in the Time War, but he keeps getting pulled into it, and there's some really clever, clever parts in it. Tell you what, actually... Um, there are there, there there are topics that Big Finish also cover, like why aren't the Sontarans, you know, time travel capable species in in the Time War? And there's a really good uh, John Hurt story where they basically try and force their way into the Time War, and neither the Time Lords nor the Daleks will allow them to to, to participate. They keep basically stopping them from joining in, which is quite quite a funny little story. That's that's, that's quite a cool story. But they, I think, what one of the things that they manage to do quite well is play with the abstract nature of the time war, um, especially some of the more kind of like timey wimey clever clever clogs writers. Um, there's a chap called Matt Fitton, and he writes some really clever uh, sort of like time travel based stories, which works really well because otherwise, how are you going to convey something like that? But the, the reason why I'm going through all of this anyway is because what I wanted to ask was. Um, in terms of the time war, it is kind of like supposed to be this thing that you can't possibly conceive or imagine. Yeah, every time we kind of like do see it or hear it or read about it, it just looks very much like a standard Star Wars war with lasers and spaceships. Yeah, and I think this is this is the problem with diving into it. And don't get me wrong, I like the reading and I like the listening and I like I, I like sort of again hearing the stories about the skirmishes and like I've mentioned earlier as well, but I think the problem is leaving it with the very, you know, like I said, like I said, feeling almost mythical with sort of the, yeah. the snippets you get from the show or the, or again, sort of the, the little, like we talk about sort of the crude scale, like the Neverwares, et cetera, and all that. And actually, I think the problem is it by putting it on paper or listening to it, or even when we put it on screen, you kind of take away the magic the mad well not just the the magic but the the madness behind it that idea that it's all being constantly overwritten and redone and reshaped and yeah. moved around and again that the, the, at least to the best of my knowledge anyway there's no way you can you can put that on paper or put that on screen that would not make it that doesn't put it in logical order that lives up to that well i don't know because if you you can't necessarily what well, you could do i was going to say you can't really compare something like um the time war to loki but i think loki handles time travel way better than doctor who ever did like way way better than doctor who ever did the whole concept of things changing and and things in flux and new branches coming along and stuff like that if they if they were able to come up with a time war related story time lords even potentially just doesn't have to be related to time war but we're talking about time war if they can come up with a with a time war story that utilised kind of like the time travel mechanics that Loki uses, 
I think that would really work really cleverly. I don't think Loki's time travel mechanics are that solid, to be honest. Do you not? No. Why? What's your beef with them? Well, a lot of... So, this is completely off-tangent, but the whole idea that there's a bunch of variants that aren't supposed to be... Do... That they do something that isn't supposed to happen, right? Yeah. And they get pruned. Yeah. But supposedly in the one timeline that we're following, Loki is just this skinny white dude, and yet we've got this adult black man who is also a Loki. Surely as soon as he's born not white, it should immediately get pruned. Well, not necessarily, because it could also be that somewhere down the line his mum slept with a person of colour, or I don't know. Or he was adopted, perhaps. That was a possibility. Was... Maybe maybe the other Loki it was... I see your point, he shouldn't have grown to that point of being a grown adult man, and then yeah, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, like, there's so much just stuff that doesn't make sense with that. I, like, yeah, I suppose. one timeline that is supposed to happen, then why are there so many differences that we're allowed to develop that far? Yeah, alright, that's that's a good point. Um, can't really come back at you with anything on that. Uh, I mean, I suppose what I'm getting at, though, is at least Marvel had the balls to experiment with time travel concepts, whereas Doctor Who is like, time war, great! Pew, 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 pew! And do you know what I mean? It's like, at least do something with time travel if you're going to do the time war. At least, for example, in Day of the Doctor, I think they should have shown battle sequences that involved maybe... Uh, a whole army charging into battle and then vanishing out of time. Or maybe it may be a time loop. Maybe even just like soldiers charging forwards and then they loop back to the original point and keep doing yeah, that as a scene. That would have been like cool. some Doctor Strangey type stuff going on basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly like that. Yeah. And I just yeah. that's my problem with the with the Time Wars portrayal in all of its formats, unfortunately, with the exception Cause... being big finish in some of the stories where they've been quite clever. I mean there was the whole thing in End of Time, wasn't there, where they're describing how People keep getting resurrected only just to die over and over again. Yeah, exactly. That you know, you don't, you don't really see anything like that. They never come back to it. You never yeah. see a time lord like drop dead and then suddenly just sort of phase back into existence, do you? It just you could just imagine it though, couldn't you? Like a really cool scene. Imagine the scene. Uh, there's loads of time lord soldiers kind of on the front line firing, and they get exterminated. And then there's like a ticking clock, and then the clock starts ticking, and then everyone just suddenly pops back into where they were, screaming and firing in exactly the same position because they're caught in a time loop, but they're just firing repeatedly. St- stuff like that would make you think, "Oh, that's pretty cool, actually." From a time travel perspective, you know, they've got a perpetual front line because they just keep time looping the same soldiers over and over. Um, Again, doesn't it have to be a time loop? You know, what, the way I kind of envisioned it would be that you know. Same type of scenario, you've got the Daleks who roll in, they exterminate a group of Gallifreyan soldiers, for argument's sake. Mm-hmm. And then literally materialising in are the same Gallifreyan soldiers who've been pulled through from an earlier point in time or a different timeline, etc., to then fight the same Daleks yeah. around their own dead bodies because of the whole nature of how you can play with time travel. Well, that's it's, that's it, yeah. It's one of those things of, but again, like even even if you put that on the telly, it, and or again, or book or write that or or audio whatever it is it still doesn't quite live up to the the expectation of everything we've been described no no i suppose the problem one of the mistakes that was probably made as well is that they didn't need to worry about time travel rules with the time war they could have literally made anything up Mm. because it's a time war it's sort of fought on a metaphysical level they didn't have the That's time it. wasn't adhere to their own rules at that point that is exactly they would it. have done anything so i mean in the novelization of the day of the doctor you could have had, like Davies... six different rassilons <laughs> well that's that's it russell t davies <laughs> this is the high council about... of rassilons <laughs> yeah. like, well, 
Who yeah. else does Rassilon trust the most? And the thing is, though, <laughs> it, like they, they, you're right about the metaphysical aspect because RTD design, uh, wrote the Day of the Doctor novelization in mind of, um, sorry, not uh, was it Russell T Davies or Stephen Moffat who wrote the novelization? Stephen Moffat won it. Either Moffat way, I would have wrote the Day of the Doctor. Yeah, but there was there was there was concepts of using years as ammunition and stuff like that, which is like <laughs> like how can you something that abstract? How can you get your head around? Like to death. Yeah, basically, yeah. But I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think I think the, the the problem is there is that wealth of um, stuff out there to explore, but it's that question again of should you explore it, and if you do, how do you do it so that it does feel unique and it's not just this war thing? Um, I don't know where this fits into canon. We'll just we'll have to jump on in a second, but I don't know where this fits into canon. But the question is. Like, how did the Time Lords suddenly become militarised when they were just stuffy politicians basically ageing to death with a policy of non-interference all those years, you know, between the classic and the new era? What what was the transitional change for them to go from uh, from peaceful, boring, to basically one of the most feared species in the universe? And the, I don't know whether it's canon, so I don't know whether it came from it. I think, I think it's the Seasons of War thing, but someone came with a really clever concept that Razalon basically... Uh, went back and retro-engineered all of the Time Lords' pasts and there were like whole basically like workhouses of children creating temporal weapons and stuff like that and he just militarised and, and made a North Korea of Galaprey basically. That's the sort of stuff that I'd like to see explored, kind of like how they twisted their own history and how they utilised time in that respect. I think that would be quite clever to see but instead we're just kind of like jumping into Galaprey at this point to believe that they became super duper warriors who fought Star Wars battles. Well, and this is what I mean about you've kind of got everything at your disposal, and I'd love to explore some of these concepts as well, but because you know it's the type of thing which really really interests me. But again, even exploring it, it, it adds more to it, and that's where it doesn't quite live up to everything we want to set on the mark. And I think mm. that if we really want to get into the the nitty gritty of it all. Um, I don't think, at, at least from a uh, from district from the TV show perspective, uh, the show would not be the right media to show that. If yeah. you wanted to get into the dark, you know, the dark sort of morbid stuff about the horrors of war, mm. yeah, the, there's definitely enough. It's not something you would want to see, or I'd expect to see. Sorry, on uh, a show that comes on Sunday evenings. No, definitely not. No, no. And I suppose that's probably one of the re- reasons why they decided to explore it in audio format. Because they can do clever stuff but, over a period. I think out of all of them, audio and audio and books are probably the right way to go because it gives you that element of imagination around it. Yeah, that's a good point as well. Like you, you are able to fill in the blanks with your own mind, I suppose, and sort of paint that canvas rather than being dictated to that it is literally flying saucers. And <laughs> we've never actually seen a battle TARDIS on TV, have we? No. Which I find really well, not bizarre. explicitly. No. I don't think it's ever been specified. There might have been like. There probably, just... there probably is like CGI shots of them, but then it's never it's like circled out. Well, you just see garrisons and, and gun batteries yeah. on on in Arcadia and, and the capital in Day of the Dogs. Yeah, you and, never actually and see. And that's it. also so... the bit that drives me nuts because you know even even on even you know in our knowledge of warfare at the moment, controlling the skies is an important thing. So they talk about in don't they about the whole the sky trenches being overrun or whatever yeah. the diets are getting onto Gallifrey, and I'm like. And where is any form of air force? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Considering they're gunships in um, Hellbent, 
it's quite interesting mm. that none of those made any appearance. We did only get a brilliant. We are splitting hairs at this point. Um, yeah, true. But you know, it's still that type of thing of yeah. If they, you know, your Daleks, you know, your individual Dalek unit can fly, let alone the other ship. So, where is your any form to stop them hitting the ground? Yeah, no, that's that's a very good point. But I don't know. You could you could discuss I mean, the military strategy of the Time Lords until the cow comes home, but we just don't know because they've never fleshed it out. They're just pretty set pieces more than anything. I mean, they are pretty credit or credit still. I like the armor, I like the weapons, yeah. I do like the set pieces. So, you know, give some credit there. It is pretty the good cool. news is, I guess, the possibility of a Time War spin off series has now gone up a lot <laughs> in Why? the future. Well, because uh, RTDs... oh, Russell T. Davies is back, that's true. Yeah, yeah, but also he's pretty. Um, he's been advocating for Doctor Who to be treated as a. Marvel style franchise, yeah, yeah. Star Wars esque universe thing, yeah. Mm, okay, well, I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. But speaking of which, anyway, um, moving on from the Time War, then um, last few minutes, we got the announcement over the weekend, didn't we? That that Doctor Who, and I, won't, we can't really call it Series Thirteen, can we? Because it's not. It's it's the thirteenth. It's the thirteenth series, but its official title is Flux. That's yeah. its official I mean, title. So they watch with series three is Children of Earth, but like yeah, yeah, yeah it's the it's, it's the thirteenth series. So yeah. so obviously this 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 ties credence in with um, what uh, they announced a couple of months ago when Chris Chibnall basically said it's it's all 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 six episodes are linked in the sense that they are literal. They feed on from each other. It's one story. Um, I think they already mentioned that the Weeping Angels were returning at that point, but we officially found out, even though we kind of knew this as we discussed, uh, I think it was the week before last, that the Sontarans are returning. Um, so that was announced as well. Interestingly, they mentioned the Ravagers. Now, loads of people have been spinning their tits off over this because is it the same Ravagers that have just appeared in Big fin- in the Ninth Doctor, Big Finish Adventures? We don't know. Well, supposedly, an, uh, I think an editor of Doctor Who magazine confirmed that they are ravagers and not ravages yeah so um, we don't know it, it, that there's been a lot of splitting hairs over the yeah the pronunciation exactly yeah, yeah. so the, the it's it's interesting i think i think just going to the marketing campaign super quick we quite rightly i think in some respects were passing criticism on the bbc's handling of doctor who's marketing not just for series well not just for series the 13th series but also for its recent years kind of poor performance um what they mostly did at the weekend was just took away all of the social medias and started where is doctor who trending didn't they which is kind of clever in a way because it it got everybody looking for information um like you you cook you were you were pulling apart html on the website weren't you a little bit yeah. (laughs) trying to trying to find kind of clues and stuff and i think it was pretty clever that they had um like uh Things appearing on in shopping centres in Liverpool, where the where the yeah, it's like coming up on the info there. panels, wasn't it? Like normally right. we'd see, or you are here, and your shops around here, and your advertising, whatever. They got glimpses of like schematics or some higher ships, and that's right. Yeah, which is phone call, the phone number that you could ring as well. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I thought that was that was that was pretty clever the way that they did that. I mean, what I'm going to do, I'm just going to super quickly actually spin my phone up now. Um, so just, just while you look for that, I was going to say, did you, have you seen, because I've only just seen it, because I literally saw it this evening while I was eating my dinner, um, have you seen the adverts pop up on the telly yet? Uh, yes, so the one on Saturday night, where yeah, she's but talking like, to the camera. But, yeah, but she's just, you know, it does the whole staticky effect, and she's talking to the screen, but there's no, 
there is no Doctor Who or dates or whatever. It's just there's no just her, uh, overlays yeah. and things. It's just a conversation, and then she uh, statics out. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So it's literally just like like ten seconds. I think I think what they've done is they've 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 called they've called the fandoms and the public's bluff on this one. I think because mm-hmm. they've basically gone. Everyone's gone. Ah, oh, the B- Chris Chibnall's so shit. The BBC aren't marketing. Boo hoo hoo. We were doing it. I mean, let's let's not deny it. We were doing it. Uh, and then yeah. they've gone. Uh, ooh, and they dangles dangles a little doctor here on a little string, and everyone's gone fucking mad for it. This <laughs> <laughs> is basically what we did. Exactly. Yeah. So they've called everyone's bluff, and they've been proven right. You know, everyone's still mad about it, which is pretty cool. Um, I say everyone. It's mainly fans, really, isn't it? Probably a lot of other people, casual viewers, are probably like, what? Um, but the flux is coming, which is quite interesting. Um, I, I, you know, starting on on, on the thirty first of October. Um, so a lot of um, theory that that's not a that that's an event and not a uh, yeah. Have you, have you read the theory behind that? I quite like the one that's doing the rounds I, at the moment. Yeah, is, is, the par- is parallel it the reality one. one. Yeah, so that the yeah. whole doctor's timeline isn't stable or some shit like that. Yeah, so basically, I think I think that the speculation doing the rounds at the moment, and if you don't want to listen, just pause for a minute or something or mute it for a minute uh, yeah I, I apologize yeah no 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 it's it's any speculation so it's possibly well off the mark people are assuming that the flux is basically some event manipulation of the doctor's timeline in other words it's a way of retconning the timeless child so the master the fugitive doctor the destruction of gallifrey that's all true but it's not the doctor's timeline it's not the doctor's universe it's a parallel version and even though chris chibnall and the bbc have explicitly said no joe martin is the doctor well, it'll be true. It, it'll be true. It's just, not... it's just not our Doctor. It's a parallel universe Doctor, um, and I think with like parallel universes becoming more mainstream in pop culture these days, Loki, Marvel, stuff like that, uh, it's not too much of a jump for the viewer base to kind of feel alienated by. Do you know what I mean? I, th- I think it's something they could potentially pull off. Well, I, I think I wish they did earlier, to be honest, because when we had the whole Pete's World stuff in series two, it's like, mm. where is this universe's Doctor? That's what I was always thinking. Yeah, that's a very good point. You spun off on an adventure. I did say ages ago, though, didn't I? Even before um, The Timeless Child, I always said that The Woman Who Fell to Earth takes place after a parallel universe. So if that's where it starts, it won't It won't be. But if that's where the, where the parallel universe stuff occurred, I'd be like, oh, I knew it. I that knew it was your head. Fair, though, you've taken every opportunity to shout parallel universe. <laughs> this is like one of I 50 fall. examples. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But either way, I think I think it has just gone to prove this marketing strategy. I think it's gone to prove that people are still excited about Doctor Who, um, and yeah, it's starting in a few weeks, which is going to be pretty more cool. so than if they just did the standard trailer. And we still haven't even had a trailer yet. Let's not so, forget. I mean, this, this is, we've had the sort of augmented, oh, is it ARG augmented reality game it, it, uh, with which, the competition thing? The find the Doctor mystery. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, then yeah. this is similar, isn't it? Because you can. There's a hotline that you'll be able to ring if you see more. That's right. Yeah, and you um, can. What I'm going to do? I'm just, well, I'm just going to do it now. Actually, I'm going to. I'm going to ring. I'll put it on speakerphone. Um, I apologise if the quant if the quality of the phone's awful. Let me just. Right. I don't know how, how loud that's going to be. You've reached the voicemail of the doctor. If you're no, ringing this, it means enemies from across the universe have arrived on Earth. And the battle is coming imminently. No, barely hear it. It's all right, no, you guys sorry. can't hear it. It's picking up on my uh, my podcast microphone, so we're, we're yeah. good. But, yeah. Yeah, interesting. I'd say, what, what, what's the actual number in case anybody else wants to ring it? 
3110, which is coincidentally the 31st of October. But I really, but just going back to the conversation we just uh, just had about the trailer, I I now don't want a trailer. I want more stuff like this. <laughs> Do you know what? I think I think I'm with you on this. I don't actually think I want a trailer at this point either. I We've already had blind. a teaser trailer. But I know, I, but this is what I mean. Like I want more interactions like this, things that people yeah. can pick up and talk yeah, about. I don't want I don't, I don't want two minutes of clips from the episodes. I'm going yeah, to say. yeah, I'm probably with you on that one. I think. Although just just to just to wrap up on this. Um, interestingly, well, I think many, many moons ago, we cited the fact that this era of Doctor Who feels very mid eighties. And what did they do in the mid eighties? <laughs> they of course produced no Trial of a Time Lord, didn't they? Which is very similar to what they're potentially doing here with this. So, is history repeating itself, folks? That's the million dollar question. Are we are we rapidly approaching a hiatus New point? Who's first six parter? So, is what? Sorry. This is New Who's first six-parter story, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it would be. Yeah, yeah, it would be. So the longest we'll find out on Halloween. I guess the longest we will single do. story that we'll have witnessed. Indeed, it's worth noting as well that we are going to be having something of a change with the with the with the new episodes that are coming up. So, uh, as of uh, we've got another episode or two to go with this yet, so I wouldn't panic just yet. But as of the first um, of November, TARDIS talk will be uh, undergoing something of a change. So we're basically going to be uh, bringing the episodes to you um, the day after the uh, episode airs, and we'll be giving you a complete review on the episode and our thoughts and feelings and generally just what we liked and enjoyed about that particular episode, speculation about where it's going, stuff like that. Um, We'll also be bringing the podcast to YouTube, so um, people that don't have access to any of the streaming platforms that we currently use, Buzzsprout, Spotify, etc., will be able to access the weekly podcast and hopefully the back catalogue on a dedicated YouTube channel so as per usual thank you for listening uh do you know your dalek attack from your city of the daleks your maze of time from your edge of time because that's right join us next week as we'll be exploring doctor who's varied video game adaptations over the decades but until then it's a goodbye from us 